This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed. This is Marek Larwood. Hello, listeners. And... Oh my God, we've got a guest. It's been a while. Finally, after three months, we've put some effort into finding someone to come in and talk about films. And not just anyone, someone who probably knows uh, twice as much as me. <laughs> and three times as much as me. It's Mr. Rob Deering. Nice. I like that talk up. Uh, how are you, Rob? All right. I'm very well, thanks. Yeah. Um, and this week, uh, I-, I subjected you and David to a film which you might not have enjoyed. Um, <laughs> this is my uh, it's almost like a backlash type thing where having gone to cinema and I'm not a big fan of action films and superhero films and uh, we've talked about in the past how cinema is now is almostly almostly that's a new word yeah. Yeah. dominated by some crappy superhero film it's dominatedly it's dominatedly almostly I'm the one and only dominator. We're having to make up new words, Lee, to to describe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to, no. There's how, only superhero films. I, yeah. But but I don't know where, what's going to happen because their their plan is for these superhero films to expand to create greater franchises. that yeah. All encompass. I mean, it feels like nearly every film's a superhero film already. That's so what, what's going to happen when it, they double and triple in the number? But there's a positivity to it because they still have to be good. They won't sell if they're yeah, no yeah. good. They do have to be good. I've seen some proper. No, shit. yeah, I'll take that back. Pacific Rim, Jesus, <laughs> that was one, that was one of the better ones. I think. Uh, I think you need to go out and have a think about what you just said to me. What are your favourite recent? What uh, superhero films do, do you think have passed the, the Deering test? I, uh, that test I, like, I just respect uh, Marvel in in general. Marvel are the Avengers side of things, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. So I think. Well, they're also technically the Spider-Man and X-Men side of things, but they're owned by different studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, um, I'm talking about that cycle. Avengers Assemble was good. Mm-hmm. Thor was good. Thor: The Dark World. I haven't seen. I haven't seen. It looks it's terrible. Good. It's better than Thor. Oh well, there's something. I like the Captain America films. I think there's general kind of wit, a respect for auteurs. I mean, if you look. Back at what was happening before these films came out. If you look at Catwoman, for instance, as <gasps> what was going on in superhero films before that, it's a shocker. And some of that is still happening. The Green Lantern, Man of Steel. You know, there a lot of them are dogs, and they will make money, but they won't make as much. But money. a lot of the fi- films I find, and I don't think I've talked this before. So, the, the first film is Origins film, tedious. Yeah, yeah. So they only get going 
when they do the second film. Isn't it wonderful when a film isn't an Origins film? For example, Sherlock Holmes. Yes. I really enjoyed Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. The idea of an Origins film of where he decides to become a detective oh. because he first discovers he has an analytical oh. brain. Well, oh. Young Sherlock Holmes is the origin film of Sherlock Holmes. The good thing about that's Young Sherlock Holmes is an amazing yes, that was a really a, good film. That was the first film when I was a guest on Film Fandango that yeah. I brought in Young Sherlock Holmes. You did, I remember. Yeah. I remember. In fact, um, uh, I am now friend, friends of a friend. I don't know him personally, but he's one of these people who my friends talk about a lot of having gone out with, um, you know, spent some time with, with uh, the John Watson from that film, oh. who is uh, actually Brian Cox's son. Um as Wait, what's his actor first name? Brian Cox. Um, Alan, is Alan it? Cox. Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Edinburgh, nice man. Yeah, well, that was John Watson in Young Sherlock Holmes. There was a there was a Victorian uh, big improvathon thing that they do where people improvise an entire show for fifty hours or something, and all set in Victorian London. This one did it start? And Alan Cox London? got um, I forget his name now, but the guy who played uh, the young Sherlock Holmes to come, and they were Holmes and Watson. Yeah, what's his name though? I want to say Henry. He I looks like he now looks like an old Tom Bell. He's in Snatch, isn't it? As well, yes, he is. He plays. Um, is it Snow White? And there's a Guy Ritchie link. Ooh. But I, I remember um, when I used to look at what judging what films are good. There's a program for people. We get a few quite a lot of listeners uh, from abroad listen to this podcast. Yeah, but there's a British. Bonjour. <laughs> oh, oui, Trespian. Um, there, Bienvenue. Was, there was a podcast uh, program called Going Live, which is a kids' TV program. And Trevor, was it Trevor and Simon did a film review? I can't remember, they used to do film reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sherlock Holmes, young Sherlock Holmes was on that because it was one of the first uses of special effects for the, the 3D. CGI. Yeah, the for the acid night. Yeah. Uh, it first job of ILM, I believe. Wow. Industrial Light and Magic's first job was the uh, stained glass. Uh, what I love about night. that, and it's very clever, is that it's uh, it's very cinematic, but it's nicely uh, Conan Doyle-ish as well. Mm. It's yeah. always Nicholas drunk. Rowe is the name of it. Ah, Rowe. Nicholas That's Rowe. even a good sort what of uh, Dickensian name, isn't it? I believe he was also in uh, The Casterville Ghost, which was an adaptation of a uh, Oscar Wilde uh, story with Neve Campbell Canterville. and... Canterville, thank you. Neve Campbell and uh, Patrick Stewart as the ghost. What good. happened to him? Because he was really good. I don't know. I, I saw him in a play uh, a couple of years ago, but... Doesn't he also play Sherlock in the modern day uh, one with Martin Freeman? Is that him? That's no, that's, him. An un- that's an unknown actor. That's, that's an unknown, unknown. Actor. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, but no, but you were saying that this documentary, yes, looking for light, yes, about June Brown. It's Jane Brown. That's a joke. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Bound, actually. Bound. Oh, Bound. damn it! Print. June Brown. June Brown. June Brown off of EastEnders. <laughs> yeah, she. She. I saw some films of her in um, recently, a black and white one, when she was young. It's quite amazing because she's uh, Dot Cotton EastEnders looks like she's been eighty for the last thirty years. Yeah. She played us. If anyone, if anyone listens, can name this. I think she was a nanny or something in the film. But her looking young and you were attracted to her, weren't you? Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> and how's that translated now? You watch her again now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because she was playing ancient women in sort of Gormenghast in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Well, stuff. my uh, it makes me think of Nanny Deering. It's going, uh, <laughs> uh, which is my dad's mum. And I remember my dad saying, "Oh, you know, about stuff he got away with when he was little, like stapling stuff to the wall and climbing up in front of the house." And I said, "Well, what did what did Nanny Deering say?" Well, that's what I called Nanny Deering. Yeah. And he said, and I quote, "She was always old." <laughs> so I don't know how it happens but I think it's something generational Some people are, yeah. working class women from London in the 20th century just they got that old thing going early on and stayed with it there were guys that you knew at school and may still know who have always been in their 40s mm-hmm. 
Definitely. That's Smoking lots and lots of unfiltered cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, or, or being unable to have fun. That'll, that'll also help. War. War. What? War does it, doesn't war it? War does yeah. it, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Not that been a lot of wars. Oh, so Edwin, Edwin Starr's question, what is it good for? Prematurely ageing a whole generation. <laughs> Great, and then you've got the actor to play the old actor for a, a substantial amount of time. Yeah. That's very true. I'll tell you who got famous um, playing old when he was, I think, literally under 20, but that was his first skill and he was always being used for it, is David Jason. Yeah. Really? Who did he play? When he, he just was... played all kinds of old. It used to be his job. He was like in rep, and wow. they'd go to him for the old guy because he was little and he was good at it. Was like it... Clive Dunn? Who yeah, won, that's, he won I was going to say he played the oldest guy in it, yeah. apart from Godfrey, probably. And, and he was thing... one of the youngest in the cast. Exactly. It used to be a thing that you could do. You say, "I'll be old," because no one had thought of casting actual old guys. <laughs> Why that? Because again, because of war, there weren't any. But also, people aged it. Uh, yeah, and also maybe HD has brought that a little bit because you can see old makeup. Even, for example, like Benjamin Button. Old makeup even... is always bad, though. Isn't yeah. it? It's a real difficult one. I thought the old makeup on uh, oh, Hayley Atwell in Captain America the Winter Soldier yes. was some of the best I've Yeah, seen. I agree. I thought it was excellent. I mean, but it's now uh, CG augmented, isn't it? Yes. Well, and if that's done badly, it's a completely different kind of utterly creepy. Yeah, and you have to um, watch it because they always Hollywood always convinces itself that they can CG faces, but you can't. No. Young Beginning Jeff Bridges of and Tron Legacy. Yeah. Oh, oh, come that's on. terrible. No one wants to see it. That film would have worked the whole CG Jeff Bridges would have worked as a thing if you'd never seen the CG guy in the real world because then it sort of can be a stylistic thing that mm-hmm. he is that's the, what it looks like yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly he's been in the computer world so long it's sort of affected his face yeah. well we're talking but, about faces anyway aren't we I'm trying to get us back into oh, right, the okay. uh, no well this June Brown documentary so yeah. the, just to introduce you we, um, as a <laughs> oh well I was sort of back, backlashing yeah, there's another new word Against all the all the action films, I decided to pick a film for us to watch, which is a documentary about June Brown, who you may not have heard of her. She Jane. was a uh, Jane Brown. Sorry, that's it's my fault. Sorry, yeah. Jane Brown. Remember that Jane name? Brown. She's she's about eighty now. She's obviously retired. She was the photojournalist for the Observer, and she'd taken some of the well, some of the greatest portraits. If you if you haven't. Uh, if, if you think of a great portrait there's a good chance that she's taken it like the John Betjeman one is that those, yeah. those moments when you see a picture and you think oh yeah that is the, that yeah. is how I picked it's that phenomenal her, the that Samuel Beckett one it's yeah, like, Samuel Beckett the Samuel Beckett Mick Jagger York, York with her hands yeah, on her yeah. face but she takes black and white still photography it's a very slow documentary maybe not by the, by the most skilled documentary makers um, who are Luke Dodd and Michael White mm. and I I enjoyed it. You can you can go and see it at the Curzon or the Kurt watch it on the Curzon online. I liked it because I just been watching lots of British noisy television where all the young people speak the same. It's certainly an antidote and to noisy television. Yeah, but I think that that's the thing. I think that it, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very negative place to start from, isn't it? I think if that's what you're looking for, then it does exactly that. But the problem with it is it does exactly that. I mean, mm. I think this is a documentary which it's almost doing credit to say that they're a little bit. Um, that maybe this is simple and inexperienced because I think slightly more there's a little bit of a conceit to it. I think they were kind of going, look how boring we are. And that really? kind of rubbed me up the wrong way. I thought the best thing about it was the pictures, which they totally let breathe. They were just put yeah, on yeah. screen for seconds at a time, no voiceover, no music And they music continued to do so. It wasn't like right up top, here's her photos, no, now yeah, you know her, let's carry it. on. And that is the best thing in it. And yet, but it also makes you think, well, if that's the best thing in it, then this could have just been an exhibition. Because the thing I didn't like about it is uh, is that it seems to me that they're saying, here's a woman who was really good at her job, yeah. and now she's really old. 
and that is I, I don't, they didn't add anything to those two facts yeah. we got to and know her a bit which I did enjoy the whole yeah. the whole but backstory but of how, how she how long did it take yeah. so I should explain what happens is she uh, Jane Bound now is I think she's about 18 she's wheelchair bound and bound a, Jane Bound wheel, she's wheelchair bound thank you uh, and she, it's a sort of a, a retrospective look at her life and then she's taken round oddly taken round to see the gravestones of all her dead brothers which is quite peculiar but it's just about uh, appreciation of her and how someone who wasn't con- a conventional journalist I thought it was quite interesting just a, a short sort of a polite well-to-do woman mm. in a world of photographers which is dominated by that sort of paparazzi photojournalist which, you're, you, which sort of yeah. typifies it more. Well, well knowing, so knowing you know, a tiny bit about photography, I found it fascinating she never took any lights with her. It was yeah. all done with natural light. That is just incredible eye. Incredible eye. incredible It was very pure what, what she did. There were, there were little snapshots of stuff I found sort of beautiful and really engaging. And I, I agree, it was... It was slow, and there wasn't really enough of, d- of a change in it. It was sort of just. I felt maybe I was being a bit resistant to it, but I think they, I think the, I felt like they were saying, it's sad because she's old. I'm like, it's not sad that she's old. She's just old. That's okay. Mm. And I think if that's not sad, which it isn't, then the documentary be- becomes borderline pointless. You know. I here's what I liked about it. I liked the fact there are lots of old journalists, but it felt like. Going back to, it, it felt that Britain fifty years ago was almost a hundred years ago. At times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, and I completely agree. Actually, it's some been, of the talking heads are fascinating. There was a guy in a tweedy suit, can't remember his name, and he was yeah, he was he was a character from another age. All these and old people ge- remembering the press yeah. room, and it was they were talking about a world which was in turn pretty much unchanged since the nineteenth century. And it wasn't. This was in the sort of nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties, when the Observer was set in this sort of building, sort of not a huge office, not a glitzy office. And it was old editors and other journalists and other photographers talking about how things were done. And you think, shit, things have changed yeah. so yeah, far. Yeah. I mean, yeah. those guys and were in a career for life. Like, they were saying how the boardroom would always be the same faces as the heads of department year they, on year on year. Yeah, These days, people would have their, gone they'd sideways And they'd all the been working with the main man since, like, well, since the war. Mm. And she totally straddled that um, in that, you know, her pictures go from Winston Churchill to, to, to Bjork and beyond. And like you say, she was just... Just really, uh, just a really simple character. She was just this straightforward woman who took these pictures. So yeah, it, it, it's it's like time travel, but um, it was also like time travel in that it feels like it will never ever end when you're watching it. I really enjoyed it because I thought it was a really. It, it, this film is it's a Sunday night tonic when it felt it was almost you need to reset yourself. And watch something oldy Britishy. It's a like it's a Sky Arts program. It yeah. isn't a cinema experience. I think definitely. I would go one step further and say I would rather have seen it as an exhibition because I was getting annoyed with the you know the the, the, the documentary making gets in the way a little bit. It could have been a forty-five minute program. I would have worked BBC harder. 4. For example, I didn't want to hear the documentary makers' voices. There was so much yes. stillness and silence. And when mm. they suddenly turn up behind the camera, going and you know, good documentary makers do that they cut themselves out completely and you should if you're going to do something that kind of speaks for itself then make the effort get, take the, nar- the narrator out you can't limp in with the narrator you either author it and narrate it or you don't yeah. the narrator's either the protagonist in their own story or they're completely absent I totally agree yeah. with that and, and it was it felt a bit they made his documentary too late because I didn't know I was worried whether she'd lost her marble slightly but again I, I, I'd go back to some, that's something else I didn't like about it I, I, I think they 
I think they slightly stereotyped her as an old woman. It, was, it took a long time to get to know mm. her because they kept showing shots of her house and her wheelchair and having to say, oh, there's my cat. But like plenty of young people have got cats. You just wouldn't include them talking to their cat. And if you're just pointing a camera at them and not asking them any questions, exactly. what are they going to do? I think it was patronising. She's, 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 she's a person before she's an old person. Do and this think... film definitely told that story the other way around. She was an old person before she was a person. Maybe, I think it might be the case, it was a because it's only 120 minutes long, or, it was, or not 120 minutes, um, 80 minutes long, I think. Yeah. It, that's almost the the least you can... Be, uh, the, to be a, a feature film or a feature documentary, mm-hmm. yeah. you need to be like 77 minutes, I think, to set it. Yeah. I can't remember what it is. So maybe it was a case of having to pad out. And in a way, you know, don't get me wrong, I completely hear what you're saying about, you know, an antidote to tales full of sound and fury signifying nothing. But... Um, it could have been shorter. What you need to do is do what they did about letting the photos breathe. I love the photos mm-hmm. of the silence, but I didn't like the shots of a house. I loved hearing her talk about stuff as well. I actually yeah. loved hearing the people who'd worked with her closely talking about her that as was, well. That was and good. why she was able to get these photos, because yeah. it's not just about the technical ability with the camera, it's about the ease with which she put her subject. Yeah. And, and, and because she wasn't a great networker or a great businesswoman or anything. She they was just her. herself and incapable of being anything else mm-hmm. so that everyone just relaxed in front of her. And that was what was interesting as well. For for a, a documentary about uh, a, a, someone who's a great still photographer, their camera work was shocking <laughs> at some points. They did this odd thing you've never seen, like a slow zoom into someone while they're talking where well, the camera they've got is slightly jolting, so it moves in. Yeah, not <laughs> clonk. Yeah, <laughs> which is quite odd. Actually, you think you could have made this really um, beautiful. But I thought, I thought what for me was interesting was, like you said, the old people, old people talking, uh, who had something to say and were quite articulate. And it seemed refreshing compared to I'm becoming literally really conservative, right? Yeah. <laughs> to people saying this, young people saying the same thing the whole time. I want to see old characters. I want to see old people talking about people death. trying to remember people's names and stuff like that. I yeah, like the old stuff. Sto- I like the old stories. I like <laughs> the wrinkled faces. I like. No, I the, agree. Like That's what that. you want to see in a documentary. But you see that in better documentaries than yeah, this. Yeah, but I still I found it very interesting. That she, I thought she was very interesting, and someone and she genuinely. I would contest that. I don't think she was very interesting. I think she was an. She tells uh, her life is an interesting story okay. in history, and I think she's brilliant at her job. But I don't think she's very interesting. That's part of the point. I don't know. I think some of the things she said were very peculiar and very odd, mm. and I felt like I wanted to know more of that. And they were slowly trying to peel back the cover of her, and towards the end. Um, when she was had a moment where she reflected what she'd changed in her life. Yes. There's some great moments mm. there. Um, and they felt like it didn't push hard enough to find underneath the, that I found veneer. it utterly engaging, I have to say. Yeah, I didn't yeah. find it dragging at all. I, I it was it was slow but it, it hooked me in and took it at the pace it was Going. Yeah, I don't. Personally. I don't think it was. A, I don't think it was it certainly. Well, it, it very much wasn't a waste of time, and I shouldn't sort of joke about it dragging by because that's very ADD of me. But <laughs> um, but I think it could have been better. Yeah, because it is a good. It, it, she is a good story. I mean, they are some pictures are amazing. Brilliant documentaries we've seen. It's not up there with those. But I thought as a tonic to what we've watched recently, it was something for something for Pete. If you if you've got a heart problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, but ballet Russe have you seen Ballet Russe no it was like that and that I much preferred what's that about it's about the Ballet Russe in its the heyday of the Russian ballet which again very 20th century very interesting loads of really interesting characters but it was just cut better I, I, I'm, I, I'm 
as we're talking about it, I'm thinking maybe I came at this grumpy. But <laughs> maybe I did. It's but not I a thing to watch I feel like the people making it, rather than saying, let's make this stylish, I, I, I'm not giving them credit to make what you enjoyed. I think a little bit they said, this can be boring because it's a documentary. I felt like they were saying that. Rather than saying, let's let this story speak and breathe, which I'm bang into. I like it when things take their time. Mm. And I think they were, I don't think they're quite at the chops. Cool. And it's incredible how different this work is from the stuff she's done on EastEnders. (laughs) Well, there we go. If you want something um, slow but entertaining, I'd give it six Marricks. Um, I'd give it seven, David. Okay. um, Yeah, it was called Looking for Light, colon, Jane Bowne. Right? Yes. Colon? There was a colon Jane Bowne? Yeah, who knows? Okay. Put put do I get to give it Robs? Or you? I don't yeah, know yeah, if you want to or not. You don't have to. Is it from ten Robs? Yeah. Get it. I'll get a five going on six. Or do okay. I have to commit? That's no, all right. Five yeah. and a half Robs. Is five. Okay. five if you want to split a Rob. We do halves, but you could... Uh, you I mean, just give me 20 Robs and I'll give it ten, but that gets confusing. Okay. Five Robs. <laughs> there we go. That's quite good. Yeah, that's not bad. That's. I'm glad I saw it. Four. Um... It's time for the blooming film challenge. Film challenge, film challenge. We've not done this in a while. Um, We are going to um, pick our castings for a brand new remake. There's never enough of them. Um, That Rob is going to judge uh, who's picked the best castings. We've heard recently that they are going to reboot Flash Gordon. Gordon's alive? Of course. (laughs) They're just working their way chronologically through the 80s until they hit every intellectual property along the way. I have to say, you know, conversely to that, of course, this this can only go wrong. You know, because it's a very it's a very odd tone, the old one, and they just about pull it off. The idea of doing Flash Gordon, um, I assume, without a Queen soundtrack already, it's going to be yeah. infinitely less charming. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're and never going to hit Brian Blessed's character right? ever again. Or they'll cast Brendan Gleeson, and he'll Max be Fon, fine. Max yeah. is going to be. A, there's so many tough actors apart from Flash. There are, and Dale. I yeah. think they're uh, two lead characters. Yeah, in, even Topol as um, Dr. Hanzarkov, oh. formerly of NASA. That's going to be... Topol. Timothy uh, um, Dalton. Yeah, a, brilliant Prince Peter Baron. Duncan. Peter Duncan, of course. <laughs> Battling with evil snot in a tree stump. But Flash Gordon's become, in retrospect, uh, it, it, over the years, become quite cool. You know, it was you... supposed to be a trilogy, and they uh, it didn't do well enough to uh, to make the sequels. Oh. Well, that doesn't surprise me that much. <laughs> but it is one of those films that you kind of, you know, we think that's a rubbish film, but I love it. That's a rubbish film, but I love it. And then one day you watch it and you think, in its own way, it's really good. Yeah. Because it totally knows what it is. It's really camp. It's really, I don't feel a bit like an idiot saying it, but it's really sexy. Yeah, it's good camp. It's like whoa, it's European, it, isn't it? Yeah, and, it, and it's I so, think it's the, fun. I think the only difference between Flash Gordon and Star Wars, really, in how cool they are, is the art design. Yeah, I the rest it, of it is identical. Yeah, yeah, um, and then Flash Gordon is definitely of, sexier. Wizard of Oz makes Star Wars the colors. Yeah, yeah, because you think of Flash Gordon, you, you think of that. Those red and pink yeah, yeah. colours. I think really, it's a massively really similar tone to Wizard of Oz. It's scary, it's for kids, mm. it's uh, brightly coloured. Well, the Dino De Laurentiis, is isn't it? The producer yeah, of Barbarella. It. Yes. So the, that's it's so high camp. But it's, it's, your, it's your own camp. It's Barbarella's your... brilliant, but it's a tough watch. Oh, it is. Whereas yeah. it's your Brian Blessed's and your Timothy Dalton's that make this much more fun than Oh, that. it feels like an enter, end of term and panto of, course, of, a, yeah. of Prin- a film. Princess Aura, my first love in cinema mm. is that right well we're going to cast um, today because there's too many characters we may have to do this on a second week but we're going to cast today Flash 
mm-hmm. Ming the Merciless, mm-hmm. and Princess Aura. Mm-hmm. One by one. One and by you're one. Judge. You're going to judge. Well, you're going to pick out of the two. You're not going to give me Brian Blessed. You're not going to risk the. Not hook this. There. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Okay. Well, we'll have to make that the bonus card. Okay. If if, if there's a draw out it goes after down three. To, down to <laughs> We'll do that. We'll see. You want to go first? Uh, okay. I'll go first, won't Which character are we doing first, Rob? Ming. 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 Okay. I went round the houses on Ming. There's quite a few good choices. He's got to be sort of... He's got to have that stature and that skeletalness to him for me. He can't be sort of powerful. He's got to be almost okay. Mr. Burnsy, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I've gone for... Just because I think he's about the right age for it now, I want to see him do another villain, Hugo Weaving. Ah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. I don't think he's got... Uh, his face isn't symmetrical enough. <laughs> <laughs> they could do it in post these days. I've gone for a bald actor. Uh, they would be able to shave the hair of a behaired actor. I could actor. have done that. I could have gone there, but I thought... Danny know, DeVito. No, someone who's sort of been... He's, he's played, too hairy. He's got... He, his, his film career has gone from being sort of model, good-looking, to a villain, and I think he's just... He, I looked him up, he's about 48, nearing 50 now... It's time for him to do... And I think he's more talented than he's ever... He's got more talent than he's ever shown on screen. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear who this is. Billy Zane. Oh, Listen to your friend, Billy Zane. Yeah. Billy Zane. <laughs> Billy Zane. The Phantom himself. Billy Zane. It's interesting. I like both those. I see where you're coming from. Billy Zane's got the eyes. Billy Zane, for me, it. is too good looking. His but features are old soft. Enough. He's old enough now. Yeah, but he's got, he's got, he'll always be gorgeous. You paint the eyebrows he's, on. <laughs> but he's got lovely eyebrows and they're lovely eyes and lovely big mouth. Hugo Weaving looks like, but he, and he, and he's played so many bad. I was impressed with how good he was as the Red Skull. Yeah. Having already played mm. that many lose. bad Can I change ones. Mine? Well, um, Mr. Um, Smith, is it Mr. Agent Smith is obviously the one he'll be remembered as forever. Mr. Anderson. Can I change mine? Uh, can you, do you want another go after Billy Zane? Well, I, was I a good can't really change You can't it. change it. But I'm interested. I've got, who I've got else? a better one. My other one. You can't, you can't Stan, enter someone else. But who entering, you? but Stanley Tucci. Ooh. As a really odd choice. Very odd. I'd say he's too broad-shouldered. Yeah, and also, me. although, and I think this is kind of like reverse of what you're saying with Billy Zane's skills, Stanley Tucci's skills are legion, and yet more and more as he gets older, he's better and better just playing roughly the same character. <laughs> Even though he totally doesn't have to. But in things like Easy A and Julia and Julia, he just turns up and Stanley Tucci's it, and it's like mm. a charisma bomb. It's fantastic. He could play it like that, but that would be weird. <laughs> what I've done is I've put that in there to make Billy Zane seem better. Oh, it was, That's he's, he's bald, and it's exciting. Hugo Weaving wins. There we go. Ah. There we go. Okay, Marit, you go first on the next one. Who do you want, Rob? Um, oh, we're saving the best till last. So, uh, Flash. Flash. Right, this is a controversial and it, mm-hmm. and it's not a traditional actor and it's based solely... I'm a big fan of American football. You've picked an American footballer? Well, because Flash Gordon yeah, of course he's is a Flash New, York Jets, yeah, yeah. New York Jets quarterback. I watched American football non-stop, so if Rob hasn't seen it, I'm screwed. Yep. Um... The I think one of the best quarterbacks at the moment, who's brilliant in the advert, who's really really funny, is Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. and he's I he does he's discount double check adverts and lots of <laughs> and lots of American adverts. Do you know who this is? Oh, I, 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 it doesn't he matter. He's really he's charismatic. <laughs> he's a quarterback. Uh, he's I have got, to say, before you even said anything, I thought the thing is about this guy doesn't need to be an actor, and that's you the want thing. To pull someone. The from guy who played him, Sam, what's his name in the Jones. Was yeah. a, 
uh, there's rumours that he got his Bown. He got dubbed. He, <laughs> Sam Bown. He got dubbed, didn't he? How, did he get, I had rumours that they redubbed all his lines. He was uh, so bad, I think, they were going I think that's an urban myth that's come across from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, okay. Hercules. But he was terrible in. Uh, he's the worst. Bound. Bound. An American Bound. sports star, an actual quarterback. What's his famous, name again? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Good name. Go for Peyton Manning. The Sam Jones. Player. I don't. Peyton Manning sounds good in that all modern, young, good-looking he's American. He's not. He's old one. But Aaron yeah, Rodgers. Yeah, but they guy. have. They, they, oh, they all have. Um, uh, I'm gonna get a photo. Weird, of yeah, do. Like we need to know that. I need to. I want your beard while he's getting his picture. Okay. Well, mine is. Uh, you know, I think there's actually a fairly shallow pool of actors who I would trust with this Shallow's role these good. days. Um, but he looks like the comedy other guy out of Scrubs. <laughs> the irritating <laughs> bloke with the. You know, you, you've gone. He's gone way down in my estimation. Have you got someone oh. a little bit more Aryan looking? I can do Peyton Manning, who is the ultimate uh, quarterback. He's old, though. You just said he's, th- he's my age. Yeah, old. There's Peyton Manning. Not that there. He's what funny. Oh, he's a bit bald. Yeah, these are bad. Anyone who's listening in the, the States will know. The, no, the current, because num- it doesn't have to be an exciting choice for Flash. It just has to be the right choice. It's the... the like Hugo Weaving. Like Hugo Weaving. The current blonde uh, everyman muscle man. I've gone for Chris Hemsworth. See, yeah, and he's, he'd be great. In a way, he's, oh, yeah. how much are we trying to keep the camp of Flash? I this think we really have to. It's got to be. We, we, there's also, no point dark knighting. I don't want to be too Gordon, serious about it, but Chris Hemsworth is already Thor. I don't know if he's going to do it. You'd do better with uh, Ryan Reynolds or you something. You think like you that. can only be in one franchise and you're really putting. You're right, wanting you know, this to run and run. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I'm thinking um, I'm thinking Cabin in the Woods, Chris Hemsworth, you know, where he's playing sort of the star quarterback yeah, of the school. Yeah, he would it? be great. You know, you should never have shown me a picture of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> listen, all the people who listen in America, it's approximately 70 per episode. We'll be saying, of course, Aaron Rodgers. He looks wrong. He looks wrong. He needs to look like Doc Savage or Mr. Incredible. And he doesn't. He looks like the other guy at Scrubs. All right, David's Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, for the consolation for Mary. Shouldn't have shown me a picture. Well, we can make it interesting or patronising, depending on go how you find it. Go for the sweep, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, uh, well, Marek. How would you describe the first woman you fell in love with? The most beautiful woman in the world. But you, also, like, sex, a, 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 one of those ones who's very beautiful, but yeah. a bit dirty. She's a bit dirty, isn't she? Um, you sound like the bloke talking about Anna Scott in Notting Hill. Oh, my <laughs> girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've gone for... Because you, Marek described her as that to me before you arrived, Rob. So I've gone for someone who I think has that girl next door... Um, but she's not girl next door at all. No, you're not no, girl next from, door. She is but from as space. Attainable. Right. Yeah. Okay, girl from planet next door. Um, but <laughs> well, she's a, a princess, but has a sort of glint in her eye. I've gone for Mila Kunis. Okay. I thought it was an interesting choice. Uh, I thought of getting for her, mm. um, but mine is a bit. She's yeah. got to look a bit exotic. She can't look airy. I've got to say, one. after Billy Zane and Aaron Rodgers, this has to be good. Okay, I'm going for the woman in Modern Family, uh, Sophie Tune. Vergara. Oh yeah, I see what you're, oh, I what you're saying to me. Because I think she's absolutely suddenly beautiful. She's good. She's and funny. Bit, she's gorgeous. She's and, bit, and sexy. Yeah, but I think so. What Ming's No, that doesn't be, matter. Okay. Let me just get. Uh, I'm just. I'm just helping. I, I, I've got to say, at this stage, before you say anything, I like Mila Kunis. I really. So Sophia like Vergara is it? Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis isn't as, isn't as. Don't say dirty again. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to say that flirtatious. Um, 
Um, Mila Kunis, um, just to uh, take a guess, Meg or Family Guy. She is. She is about to be in an enormous sci-fi franchise. I've just remembered. Which one? Uh, is it called Jupiter Rising? That's okay. That's going to flop. Okay. Um, uh, it's got Channing Tatum in it. I thought it was a funny. Th- <laughs> um, I thought it was a funny moment when I realised what Mila Kunis looks like because um, uh, I knew she was the voice of Meg on Family Guy. And there's something not quite. There's something kind of in jokey about the jokes about how ugly Meg is on Family mm, Guy. Yeah. A little bit hatey. Mm. You feel like, oh, they think it's funny and it's okay. And then when I saw Mila Kunis in real life, I kind of thought, oh, and mm. I got the whole joke because, yeah, yeah. you know, she's she's actually quite good looking. She looks like it's a cat, right. doesn't she? She um, does look like a cat, yes. It's, it's Mila Kunis. This is sweet. Your ideas are terrible. What I said to David, I said, um, I've gone for quite obscure, risky ideas. And uh, as usual, in, um, in the world of film and in the world of comedy, risk is not rewarded. <laughs> I think that they need to be. They needed also to be um, good ideas. That's yeah, that's the true. That's that's what you need. I think if I, if it was an American podcast, I would have I would have been at least a two two one up. Yeah, no one fancies Mila Kunis in America. <sighs> no, I always get pissed off at this. You do. <laughs> this is the point where the podcast just takes a dive in energy. Well, no, I have to admit, you know, if we're going to be uh, uh, kudos, I agree. I think that you there's something a bit root one about your choices. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I they are, that. But they're really good choices. That's what uh, we have the same argument as you before. I, uh, why the same people get cast and the same things the whole time? We get yeah. frustrated. It's so exciting. So exciting. We've just done it. Yeah, but when you cast people who are unrecognisable, you have to cast them well, otherwise you're knackered, aren't you? Watchmen is the film where you don't recognise any of them, and it plays so well as a mm. result. That's true. I, re- I remember watching uh, Watchmen, go- seeing the comedian, and going spot on yeah absolutely, absolutely spot on you, you don't get it it's amazing I mean even like I say when they're making big money it's amazing how seldom Hollywood know this mm. that, that casting a recognisable face can play against your character mm. because people are you know they know and, you, and when you look back at people who are really famous now and you see them at first you see how much more yeah. um, uh, legroom they had to act well, Morgan Freeman in Driving Miss Daisy yeah, think, whoa yeah. he's acting he's acting he's all over the place it, right that's right. That's right, yeah. That's right. He's June bound. <laughs> hey, we should do the middle bit where we talk about if people want to write in. Oh, yeah. Well, um, we're going to move on to Rob's choice of film, but if you'd like to write write in and have your letter read out, then please do email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com, or you can contact us on facebook.com uh, forward slash filmfandango, or tweet us at filmfandango. Nice one. And if you, you can also follow uh, Rob Deering on Twitter. Yeah, do you want to He is anything? an attorney in San Diego. <laughs> okay. what, what's your? Have you got a website? In I am on Twitter. I'm Deering Rob. I'm uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can go to robdeering.com and my uh, comedy music quiz, Beat This, which takes place every month in uh, the Lion N16 and the Edinburgh Festival, is at Beat This on Twitter. And you're doing a show in Edinburgh this year, Music Face, and that is on. No you laughing every time I say that is good. It's your enthusiasm. <laughs> your enthusiasm for saying it. So it's actually the oversell. Damn it, that's okay. And when's that on for people going to the Edinburgh Festival this year? Thank you for asking. 7.45, Assembly Rooms. Get your tickets now on edfringe.com, right? I can recommend myself. It'll be very good. Go and see it. Um, and if you like spending money, you can always donate to help the running of this podcast, which is for free, which you can do on filmfundango.co.uk. And really helped us out paying for the uh, Libsyn, uh, what David does, all this science stuff. I'm paying for Rob's exorbitant rider and all of these things. Hey, I need those nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Good ad lib. <laughs>
That's right there. There it was. There it was. Right there. <laughs> Straight off the cuff. <laughs> I had that on my cuff. Uh, we asked Rob to bring in a movie for us to talk about, and it's one that I'd never seen before. You've so never thank, seen it? I'd never How seen wonderful. it before. Not even by accident on TV. Not even by accident. Uh, oh, well, I, I'm uh, jumping straight in before you've said anything. Yeah. I hope and I trust that because of seeing it now, you've sidestepped the... It was one of those films that had a really dreadful TV cut for years, like The Fugitive. I can see that. Actually. And uh, I think you probably got it fresh. Yeah, so yeah. That's good. Well, what is the film? Why don't you tell our listeners about it? It's a wonderful film. Uh, and uh, I think people who know it love it. And it has been on TV like at 11 o'clock on a Friday night about a million times and I don't know I'd be interested to see whether you think it's dated at all it's the brilliant uh, classic uh, buddy movie road trip uh, comedy thriller Midnight Run and can you tell us what it's about Midnight Run okay it's it's, um, uh, um, Robert De Niro uh, before anyone respects him for doing comedy he's playing a brilliant light comic turn as Jack Walsh ex-police man and bounty hunter who goes after Jonathan the Duke Mardukas who uh, is played by Charles Grodin he's a brilliant comedy actor and uh, brilliant because he's a comedian and Robert Dino obviously is you know Raging Bull etc but they're such a good double act and uh, and it's it's a lovely story and he has to it's a midnight run it's an easy gig it's a midnight run for Christ's sakes he's got to get him back uh, from he goes he lives in LA he goes to New York and he's got to get uh, Charles Grodin back to LA in five days. Meanwhile, uh, the mafia. The ma- and, and, oh yeah, and in the get end, him to the Greek. basically, it's basically a remake of Game. It's, to it's the a Greek. remake of Game to the Greek. <laughs> he's got to. It's it's just him. He's got to do it himself. And up against him, he's got the FBI. They want to do it. He's, there's another bounty hunter who's just he's a fantastic brilliant. character. And uh, the mafia. It's all to do with Jimmy Serrano, played by. Superb Dennis Farina. I think one of his first big roles, I would say. And, uh, and uh, you know, and his goons who are after... So he's, he's against the world. And plus there's travel issues. Brilliant, significant, wonderfully written travel issues. And I just think it's a great film. I think it's perfect. I, I watched it a few years ago. I remember really enjoying it. And I watched it again for the podcast. And it is great. You know, when everything, everything is done well... Mm-hmm. At, I think the tone. There's something uplifting I was going about to the, tone. the tone. How would you describe the tone? Of well, it? I think it's. I think you're right. I think it's got a. I think it's got a really good proper heart to it because it's a cynical. It's a very masculine film. Very gunsy mafia police. The, the. I mean, probably one of the weakest things about it, but the kind of sums that up is. Over and over again, people get punched in the face to knock them, knock them out. You know that trick of yeah, punching yeah. someone in the face to knock them out, like in the A Team, and uh, and yet it's got this kind of hippieish heart to it, you know, which comes from the the Duke, the the Charles Grodin character. He's a proper old hippie. He's not a hippie like a like Neil of the Young Ones. He's an accountant and he looks smart, but he believes in people and then he believes in doing the right thing. And he, he he can say hello in a lot of languages, you know. And he and ultimately, in a really subtle way that would be overly spelt out these days, he believes in Jack Walsh in Robert, the Robert De Niro character in a way maybe that that character doesn't in the first place but it sounds like there's all this kind of learning and stuff and there isn't any but that runs right through the film it's got tonally it remains light and what I thought was impressive was it never 
it never gets too dark with its stuff. Yeah. Go, it goes places, but it never gets too dark, and it never goes totally police academy either. No, absolutely. It, it, it everyone is real. performing in the same film, mm-hmm. and I, I know that sounds weird, but often they're not. Like you wheel in one guy to do a comic turn, and he's the, seemingly in a different film to yeah. the lead role, who's in a really serious. Film. Absolutely, Robert no. De Niro plays it perfectly, and you're right. The central buddy movie dynamic between the two of them is beautifully and really written plays, and performed because it's hilarious and it's hilarious right through I mean they're always, it's one of those films also where the big laughs will come just when it means something or something dark or serious has happened there'll be another per- perfectly well earned not fighting the story at all big laugh like uh, um, there's a bit where oh it's a great bit where they uh, where because um, what does he say um Charles Gordon says of the Robert De Niro character, you've got two forms of expression, anger and rage. And brilliantly, Robert De Niro says, ah, <laughs> <laughs> But, um, and then, so later on, uh, Robert De Niro is literally... Oh, silent, not, silence and rage, isn't it? Silence and rage, yeah, yeah. silence and rage, of course. And uh, um, later on, Robert De Niro is not talking to him at all. So Charles Gordon starts being both of them. Mm. And improvising both of them, and, he, and, he, and trying to make him laugh, and it's just so. And he lovely. improvised the whole thing with chickens. Yeah, the chickens. That, that, oh, did that, yeah, he improvised all of that because the director before the take said, "Do something that it will definitely make Robert laugh." Surprise! Oh, so he surprised wonderful. him with this whole thing about whether he fancied the. There's some good-looking and... chickens in the primer, Jack. <laughs> and then, and then, so Robert Dean breaks his silence. Just, yeah, I could have taken a pop at one or two of them. <laughs> He's so that uh, Charles Grogan's character is so dry. And the humour is so great from him. Mm-hmm. You don't really see that character. Yeah. And what's interesting as well, I, I forgot how good Robert De Niro was at doing comedy before he started gurning and doing... Now, you think of Robert De Niro comedy, you think of him doing an old man, doing his sort of uh, godfather-esque sort of exp- gurning expression. His, his really with the parents st- onwards, basically. Yeah, really yeah. straight comedy. And really properly... These, these two, this friendship's really interesting... Yeah. Odd, odd characters, that you and it has see, levels see because they do, and it has deep, deep levels because they're they obviously. I mean, in the end, they kind of love each other, you know. In in the next life, in another life, but they but that's so subtle because really they're just they're, you know they're not they're not friends they're brothers that's the mm. thing they're brothers in this and uh, and and also it's got that level thing because the the Charles Grodin's character is trying to irritate. The Rob De Niro mm. character, he's not just irritating him because like I don't know like a less yeah like a more crass. Comedy character. He's not a pure he's innocent irritating. either. He, no. he is manipulative. He's playing the, the card. He, he is trying to run them up the wrong way. He's trying to make the trip as hard as possible. And that in itself is funny because you know he's doing it. I found his character the most interesting because you never know whether he is actually completely bullshitting him all yeah. the way through, whether he is just actually yeah. a crook. And, or that, whether it, whether he, and that in turn hides a brilliant reveal. Yes. Which is there, which is hidden right through in plain sight. Mm. And then there it is. And look, I've kept it. I've kept mm. that secret, so stay with it. But the other thing is you talk a lot about them and they are amazing. But all the supporting characters are brilliant. I mean, it's a great early role for Joe Pantoliano who's done yeah. more high profile yes, stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's brilliant. In the Goonies the, as well, wasn't he? Just yeah. Was that before that? Was it? He's a uh, he must have been, he's been in the Goonies before this. But yeah. He was in minor role in that and now he came, he came through in sort of a sort of band. I can't remember what Yeah, and he's well, the band is after The Matrix and all of that. And the Fugitive he's in as well. But he's so venal and weaselly and just so not like anyone else. He's brilliant. Fantastic and role from the FBI guy. Yeah, Fett Cotto. Ah, he's so He's got a great face, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, just and again, the you relationship. want him to be pissed off. That guy, yes, he's best when he's pissed off, and he ramps it up so subtly, but he does get more pissed yeah, yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a mutual respect there, and then there's the guy talking about people who 
aren't famous so they get to play different roles the guy Beverly Hills Cop Guy Beverly Hills Cop Guy what's his name I don't the know the one who plays the not Judd um, God it is him isn't not it not Rosewood but yeah. the more straight yeah, down the yeah, line yeah. that's what's great about it see in that one he's the straight down the line by the book cop and this is within a couple of years of that same director and he's playing a grubby he basically plays the the person the Robert De Niro character thinks he is mm. the unscrupulous grubby Trampy, horrible bounty hunter, but he's got, a, but he's got the same skill set. Yeah, they're both really good at the job. Mm. It's just that this guy Marvin isn't good at anything else. And oh, that relationship is good. The baddie's really good. There's a couple of lovely cameos. There's an odd cameo with the guy in the coffee shop, and it's almost like a dream sequence. Mm. He says, "A uh, tough day, tough week." Yeah, I know what you mean. He gives him his <laughs> moment. Oh, it's great. It feels but also, a bit like, sorry, Joe, if go on. It feels a bit like when you've got a football team. This is my. This is my. <laughs> allegory for it and you've got people who don't you've got this team that are they're all, they're all good players and for some reason they just click mm-hmm. so it, they're all really good and they, it, everything works together perfectly and they make a great film that's what it feels like it's surprising because everything just clicks into place even yeah. though they're not all famous people they're all perfect in their roles mm. and this film in other hands or with other actors has, I think other versions, similar films this, have been made really badly. Yeah, yeah. With different actors. And it's not just the cast. You like, I, I know exactly what you mean. And, and it's the same because it's exciting and it's funny. Mm. And, and moving. And often at the same time. And there's a scene, yeah. a really exciting action scene. With, and it's shooting and, and cars and all this business. And the shouting dialogue. But the dialogue is hilarious. The tension, it's the three of them. It's the two main guys and Marvin in the car. And, ah, oh, just excellent. Some of the best swearing. You know? <laughs> Even the soundtrack's quite odd. It's quite a sort of caperish. I was going to mention it yeah. because my wife cannot stand... It's a real stumbling block for her because okay. she didn't see the film at the time. It's Danny Elfman, so it's good stuff, but it's very much of its time. It's but quite I think Dukes I'd like of Hazzard the, uh, in tone, yeah, isn't it? I think, it grows on you, I think. Yeah. I want the Midnight Run theme tune played at my funeral <laughs> because I think there's a real heart to it and I love it. Da, bam, 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 and it also just rolls on, just mm. keeps on coming. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Drops down to the bass. That's it. Ah, oh, it's so good. Only One in the eighties could you have that sound? Only in the eighties. Only in the 80s. And it's so yeah, because like so many films, like My Cousin Vinny and and all other films, it sounds like the 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 band in a bar in the Midwest of America mm. just jamming yeah yeah it feels a part like a Kurt Russell movie do you know yep, what I mean yep. by that yeah 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 there's um, a lot of that it's, it's that, it's but that I think period it's, it's that... better than, than most oh yeah 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 definitely. but yeah I know exactly maybe, maybe sort of you know Big Trouble or, or yeah, yeah. Uh, Overboard one of those <laughs> why did you pick this film then to... um, uh, two reasons uh, one it really you know I've loved it ever since I saw it at the time actually I didn't I don't think I saw it at the cinema so it's, it's a real VHS I went to university and I watched it over and over again for all of the three to four months I was there <laughs> and uh, and uh, and me and my mate me and my best mate there Ferg we just you know and it's a great film for talk around it's eminently quotable you know, it's a, we're talking about quoting things yeah, on yeah. Facebook you know it's a great one for just quoting and quoting back the script is so good and so many kind of pull out laugh lines and um, and I, yeah, it just it just it is one of my absolute favourite films. But the, but aside from what it is in my life and how I've always had it, and you know, I love the Jack Walsh character. I love that it's one of those things. You know, you see yourself getting old because I remember him being old. Mm. He doesn't look old anymore. He looks that's like, what's he looks scary. The same age as me. When I first what you you think they're both people in their fifties. Yeah, yeah. And you go, what they about? 
mid four, around yeah, 40 yeah, yeah maybe a bit older uh, maybe. Because he, and looking at Robert De Niro so you see because of course we still know him and he's still famous he looks really young in this he looks closer in age to Godfather 2 than yeah. now because he is you know well, and that's but the other guy is it Charles Grogan. Charles Grogan. Grogan. Oh, Grogan. He's only really been the uh, the dad in the Beethoven yeah, films. Yeah, he's never his most famous this. role, yeah, and he's yeah. brilliant he's in this. Really Absolutely good. brilliant. I read. I mean, I'm just parroting IMDb, but what more research is there? Um, <laughs> that uh, actually they were looking at Robin Williams for that role, oh. and they auditioned um, Charles Grogan and. Uh, just stopped contacting Robin Williams and just went no we found our guy and also there is that element of him being all the better because he obviously steps up and the balance is great but Robert De Niro is the is the is the top actor here still very much a serious actor and lots of people wouldn't have known who Charles Grodin was yeah. so he's got that like we were talking about Watchmen he's got that unrecognisability to really give the so that the character mm. gets all of his charm and yeah. charisma it's a but, terrific performance by De Niro there's a scene in it that I always come back to and this is one of the reasons it's my favourite because it just it, it's so wonderful and it's a serious scene but it's so lightly played and it's so like you say it doesn't spoil anything it doesn't take away from any of the fun of the rest of the film and it's not and it's funny and it's over in a few moments, but it's it, all the better for that when uh, um, they uh, kind of inexorably, uh, despite all their instincts, they, the the fugitives, the bounty hunter and his mark, have to go back to visit Robert De Niro's ex-wife yeah. and daughter. And it's just, it couldn't be better. It's, what I, it's just, I think for me, if I was making a list of the great scenes, which I actually do quite often, this would be one of the great scenes. Any scene of any kind in any film, when they go back and see the The wife. daughter's heartbreaking as well. Oh, she, got, she tries to give him the babysitting money. Oh, I thought she was so yeah. good, I actually looked, looked her up yeah, to see if she became good, yeah. somebody else. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as in someone I'd recognise, yeah, yeah. but no, no. no. And she's perfect. She is, really And he is it. so ashamed. He's so ashamed in front of her. And he's not going to get back together with his wife. You know, mm. it's it's a really cool. Yeah, it's not Die scene. Hard. It's not the Die Hard cop. No, not in the slightest. And he's he, he, he's ah, oh, it just sums up. He's, it, it works all on its own, and yet the whole story of the film, the whole crux of Robert De Niro's emotional journey, is all in that moment. And again, it sounds serious. It sounds dramatic. It's funny. Just loads of jokes. And Charles Grodin making it. The guy they, they've got the the her son is there, who isn't Robert De Niro's son. Is like uh, the son from uh, the guy she's married to now. Who there's a tension with the story. It just makes great sense. And uh, he says, uh, "You a criminal?" And uh, and Charles Grodin just after a little beat says, "I'm a white collar." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. And when he is, and he's the relationship because he's intervening in their row. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't think she was saying, "Oh, you shut." Oh, it's really it's so. You have to watch it if nothing else for that scene. Yeah, so you can watch that on the internet. <laughs> Buy it legally. I have to say, I wanted to watch it again, but I've got it off uh, iTunes and uh, it won't work on my iPad. So oh, really? A, this, is, this whole conversation is tinged with sadness because I'm oh, stuck at Chet no. Lewis. sad. Um, I'm sure it's available on DVD. Mm. Um, yes, I mean, I I felt that my only my only sort of criticism would be... Watch it. I'm not, I'm, don't worry, I'm being careful. There's no point <laughs> criticising something you love so much. But I thought it could have been half an hour shorter, to be honest. But just in the middle, there's a structural hiccup of uh, thing. They get circumvented in similar ways a couple of times, you know? <laughs> but apart from... I thought, actually, the relationship needed the amount of time it's been given, you know? Yeah, and I, and I also think that there's a great... It's a really neat trick, but it's totally justified and, and sort of... It, 
plays out in drama and comedy of how the travel works. Yeah. It's how, in one way, it takes ages and is really difficult, but when they want it to, they can do it in a second. Mm. I love a film that sets up its premise that boldly at the beginning and just goes, this is a journey from here to there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an easy gig, it's a minute run for Christ's sake. I still don't really understand bail bonds and how that all works, but... uh, I don't know, there's a flaw slightly before that, it's how did he come up, come to put up the bond? How did it come to be him? But we don't need to get into that. Don't worry about that. But what I love, it made me think of that, I love that game. Do people still do this? I have to look online. Years ago there was a club of Americans who would go to the cinema and clap when they heard the title of the film. So they didn't have much of a good time at the Shawshank Redemption, but they had a great time when they went to see Dad. Okay. But yeah. I love it when you... when it, It's an easy gig, it's a midnight run. You know, when you hear the title like that, you think, there it is. It's a midnight run. Um, okay, well, that's about it, I think. Yeah. Have you got any... Just What time is it now? It's, it's quite a long one. Um, <laughs> have you got... Have you got any films just, uh, that, you thought, that you've seen this year that you'd like to recommend that you think are good that people might want to catch up on? I think family films are great at the moment. Don't be cynical. If, you're, if you haven't got children, um, uh, don't go, oh, it's for kids, about films like The Lego Movie and Frozen and other ones from the last couple of years. Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. Who knew how good that would be? That's Is, a great mm, film. Do you think it's the case? Because I have an inkling it might be that in-house Disney has now excelled Pixar in their latest releases. Oh, I agree. But I think Pixar still have... Pixar are like the Coen brothers. They'll be back. Yeah, but they, I they, so. I don't think they're as good on sequels, you know, apart from Toy, uh, Toy Story Accepted. Yeah. But uh, I don't want to see Cars 2, don't want to see Planes, don't want to see Monsters University. But that, that for me, rather than they're not as good at sequels, that for me is sequels aren't as good and they're losing their nerve a bit. That's yes. what that feels like to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, other sequels, other not just um, but DreamWorks also. You yeah. know, Madagascar... How to Train Your Dragon 2, I'm looking forward to. Because no, the first one was wonderful. I've heard that's terrible. The uh, first but I haven't one. seen it. Oh, really? Yeah, um, I really hope it's but, uh, good. Despicable Me 2, great yeah. film. Yeah. Cracking yeah. film. And yeah, Madagascar 2 was weak. Madagascar 3 is just um, heartwarmingly, surprisingly good. Um, and uh, yeah, this year, the brace of Lego Movie and, and Frozen. Is it Frozen? Is it, is it, it, will, it will be a Disney, an absolute Disney classic. Okay. There's hardly any other Disney films as good. I like Paranormal when I saw that. Paranorman rather. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I was slightly resistant. I'm slightly tired of zombies. But, the, but you can't yeah, hold it against the actual, yeah. um, the, CG, the, the graphics, it were, uh, I can't remember if it was stop, half of a stop motion or what, it's great, really, really great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I, I think Paranorman's the good one, but I think culturally, and this, you don't want to get into this now because you want me to go home, but um, <laughs> I think that someone, some, the idea that someone somewhere said, you know what kids need? Zombie movies. They don't. They no. don't need zombie movies. Zombies are for deeply critiquing contemporary consumer culture, like in the original Romero trilogy. And, and simultaneously, uh, guiltlessly hacking at human bodies. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, uh, see, that's civil, the part yeah. I'd slightly disagree Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> less, yeah less for kids, that. You don't need the rom-com. I don't need a rom-com zombie. I don't need kid zombies. I don't need Pride and Prejudice and zombies. In fact, no, I, I'm anti. Western zombies, has that been done yet? Country and Western. Well, I think West... Country and Western. Country and Western. Western. West, West world. Westworld. That's brilliant. robots. That's uh, killing robots. Yeah, I know, but he's a bit like a That's zombie, Wild yeah. West Terminator. He's, he's not like that. He's Terminator, isn't he? Yeah. That's a brilliant film. Anyway, we better wrap up. Um, thank you so much, Rob. Thank you for coming on. Is there anything else you want to plug? Um, no, but come to me. This, come to Music Face, and follow me online. Oh, and gigs. I'm always doing gigs. All and they can look, find that on your website. Yes, which is again robdeering.com. There we go. Sign up for mailing list. It's always good when people sign up for mailing yes. list. Yes. And you can contact us uh, at Phil Hondango, at David Reed, 
Mr. David, Mr. David Reed. Reed at Marit Larwood, all that rubbish. At Deering Rob, not Rob Deering. He really is an attorney in San Diego. I don't like to bother him. Well, thank you very much, everyone. David Reed is a uh, DavidReed.com is an attorney in America as well. Oh, they're going to sue us. Marit Larwood is a sex offender in London. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week. Keep, Keep watching, watching the, the films. films. Bye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.